another episode of the hoop talk podcast by fans for fans i'm ryan there's my guy jalen what's up everybody this podcast is where we discuss all things basketball so expect a lot of hot takes debates and a true display of basketball knowledge let's get right into it our topic today is part four of our what if series what if players won a championship who didn't win a championship we're going to look at four of the best nba players from the 2000s who did not win a championship in their career and first, we're going to look at Allen Iverson. So, Jalen, a guy the caliber of Allen Iverson, a guy with a superstar caliber like Allen Iverson, why doesn't he win a ring? I think it has a lot to do with the supporting cast. He had a lot of, uh, like, LeBron James with a guy named Booby Gibson type, like, type teams. Like, he had a lot of squads where, like, he was definitively the guy, and, like, you could not name the second option, like, from a scoring standpoint. Of course, he had Matumbo at one point. He's played with Carmelo Anthony in terms of when he was with the Knicks. I mean, with the uh, with the Nuggets, I apologize. So there's, like, there's little stints here and there, but, like, at the end of the day, like, he was an alpha. Like, that's something that, like, he just couldn't seem to really get over, and his team – around him actually only I think enhanced that it made it very difficult for him to be able to get through what used to be a lot tougher of an Eastern Conference and a lot of off the field off the court style stuff also was taking place that probably didn't help him from a longevity standpoint I guess what do you think could have happened differently I mean we're talking about he is an NBA MVP like he is a multiple time all-star game MVP he's been to double-digit all-star games. I mean, all the talent was there to basically be one of the best small guards to ever touch the court. But, like, what do you think that him winning a ring would have done for his legacy? I think winning a ring would have done two things for his legacy. One, I think he could have been the first man on probably the first team to halt the Lakers dynasty. If you think about where he was in his career, 2001, he was phenomenal. Had a phenomenal 2001 season where he went to the finals. He had a phenomenal 48-point game one overtime win against the Lakers, which actually was their first loss in the postseason. He was an all-star. He was the all-star game MVP, all-NBA first team. He was a scoring champion, leader in steals, and then he was the MVP for the season. So if you think about what he could have done, he basically accomplished it all. I think 2001 was really his only chance that he could have had at winning a ring. And I say that because later on in his career, he'd have to deal with the Pistons. He had to deal with the Celtics. He'd have to deal with the Reggie Miller-led Pacers. And, of course, he had to deal with the Spurs as roadblocks for him in getting a ring. The second thing it would have done was I think it would have put him in the conversation for him being one of the greatest guards to play basketball. If you think about isolation basketball, one of the first names that comes to mind is Allen Iverson. I think 
the way that he revolves himself around the offense or the coach or the system revolves the offense around Iverson, it comes to play to his strengths because he loves having the ball. He loves to create his own shot. The problem is he never really fit in a team-oriented style. If you remember when he signed with the Pistons, he didn't want to come off the bench. If you remember his uh, short stint with the Grizzlies, he didn't want to come off the bench. So I think it was better almost that since Allen Iverson was your offense, you basically needed to sign key defenders to help defend on the other side so that there was a good balance of having Iverson as your offense and you have some great defenders and you shut down the opposing offense. So I think those two things really could have solidified what getting a ring would have have meant to Iverson's legacy. I still think he's a Hall of Famer regardless, but I don't know. What do you think about Jalen? Well, I think the funny part about um, the whole thing is actually my slip up earlier was because of a point that I'm going to make now. And it's, I see a lot of what happened with Iverson's career kind of similar to Carmelo Anthony starting with his stint with the Knicks. You were making the reference to how things were in terms of um, the end of Iverson's stint with Philadelphia to begin with and kind of uh, this team concept kind of weighing down, on you know, his style of playing, things like that. I would say the same thing about the Nuggets for Carmelo Anthony before he ended up going to the Knicks. And in terms of things like, you know, not coming off the bench and wanting to try to maintain this uh, alpha mentality as long as he could. I mean, we saw the same thing for Melo in terms of when he had his struggles with Houston, even though I do feel like he kind of got a raw deal there. We saw similar um, issues with Houston. OKC, I felt like he fit in a little bit better, but he was delegated to a role that I think doesn't really fit his style of play. And um, now he's kind of just kind of getting his bearings back together because he really wants to play basketball, which is why the little time that he did get to play with um, the Trailblazers has been pretty good for the way his career is going to go out whenever he decides to um, hang his shoes up. But I think the biggest thing for the ring is, you know, we talk about miniature guards, you know, within this league. And I'm not even talking about like the Muggsy Bogues of the world. I'm talking about like, guys who have truly established themselves as, you know, Hall of Fame level players. And Muggsy Bogue isn't a Hall of Fame, is a Hall of Fame player, but I'm talking more about guys like Isaiah Thomas of the Pistons, guys like that. And I think the biggest thing is in a debate between someone like maybe Allen Iverson and Isaiah Thomas in terms of like who would be like the best small guard of like NBA history or at least the last 20 to 30 years I think the ring really would have propelled Iverson above Thomas not just because of the fact that like oh okay they both have rings because you know obviously Thomas won more than one but the difference is Thomas's team was always you know built in a way with the foundation that it had to be a championship caliber squad I can't really say the thing, the same thing about teams that have like Eric Snow as like your second like go-to scorer when we're talking about guys that like AI had to play with. So I think just one ring alone would mean almost as much as the multiple rings that Thomas got just out of the degree of difficulty that he would have to put up with. And unfortunately, it's kind of weird because it's 
not literally self-inflicted, but the fact that it's kind of your own team that's holding you back, him winning in spite of that, I think honestly changes the entire perception about, you know, how he is as a winner in like the NBA rather than just being a stat chaser. I have to agree. And I think that with Iverson, he definitely could have propelled himself to almost a better all-time guard than Isaiah Thomas. And I think he could have propelled himself to being a better all-time guard than Muggsy Bogues. And I really think now with that ring, he definitely would have been in the conversation, like I said, for him being one of the greatest guards of all time. If you think about where he's gone in his career without a ring, I think he really didn't have another chance to, to try to capture that same glory he did in 2001. Not only was that team special, I kind of feel like he was playing his best basketball at that time. We're going to move on to another guard in Steve Nash, who also had a great career, but did not win a championship. Jalen, why do you think Steve Nash did not win a championship? So honestly, you hate to point the finger at other people. And, you know, with AI, we kind of did the same thing. But, man, I got to blame the coach on this one. I mean, on the coaching in, on, in terms of this whole thing. Because in terms of Nash's stint with Phoenix, I mean, Mike D'Antoni, dude, I mean, so committed to – the offensive end that at one point the joke was that you got to take the D out of his last name because he doesn't preach any of it. Like he, the seven seconds or less offense will forever go down as one of the most um, high octane, most potent styles of putting the ball in the basket that the NBA has ever seen in terms of its fluidity, the way all the players play together, the fact that, you know, they were practically smashing other teams in terms of assist to turnover ratios just because of the fact that there was so much ball movement within their style of play. And of course, the way they they got the ball, the way they got the ball up the court was huge too, because the idea of more shots equals more opportunity is something that literally still bleeds through the NBA's veins. Even now, it's like practically the foundation of the league now that shooting threes at a high clip, playing high-octane, fast-paced offense, going up and down the court, relying on athleticism. All these things are what the league is still predicated off of now. He's at the helm of that. But I feel like there's a lot of situations where, like, I mean, yes, he's a great player and great players win games, but, like, it just seemed like there were situations where, like, D'Antoni was getting out-coached or, like, throw, almost throwing the game away, kind of like – maybe not in a similar stint in every series that they would lose, especially when it was like Western Conference championship time and different things like that. But similar to how a couple of years ago, we just saw Brent Brown literally just get outmatched in the series against the Celtics. It's one of those things where I feel like the bigger the game is, the more D'Antoni sticks to whatever his bread and butter is. And in a seven-game series, you get to see them anywhere between four and seven games, which means after a while, your bread and butter is not going to be enough to win. But they were so regulated to a system that I think it actually kind of got in their way and held them back um, from getting as far as they potentially could have. Ryan, at first, I don't know if you, if you have the stats pulled up, but like, can you give the audience like some context to just like exactly how 
dynamic of a player Nash is just just so he or was just so you they have an understanding of just like what it was that he was able to do for offense in the NBA I definitely have some of his stats pulled up because I want to point out two of his greatest attributes as a basketball player he was not only a great passer but he was a great shooter and I know you need that from all your guards but if you think about the type of passing that he was implementing at that time he was a flashy passer, but was also a lights-out shooter. If you think about two key statistics, third in assist all-time and 11th in career three-point shooting, I think he definitely fits the mold of the guards of today where you need to pass the ball and you also need to shoot. I think he was so deadly on the perimeter that people forget that he was just as good driving into the paint. I think that he was so good passing that it was just flashy enough. It wasn't too flashy like Jason Williams. It was just flashy enough mm-hmm. where it brought a lot of like style to his game. Unlike Iverson, though, I feel that he definitely, even though he never appeared in the finals, he only made it as far as the Western Conference Finals. He definitely could have made it to the NBA Finals in his career. Like Iverson, even without a championship, he is still considered by many to be one of the greatest guards of all time. Here's why I believe getting a ring would have done for his legacy. It would have dismantled the great teams of the early 2000s, like the Lakers, Spurs, and Kings. It would have also given Dirk Nowitzki his first ring. And then, barring that he never went back to Phoenix in 2005, it would have created a nice powerhouse trio of Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, and Michael Finley. And people also forget that In his first stint with Phoenix, he was sitting behind Jason Kidd. He wasn't really being used well, even though when he was out there, he was giving it all he had. And honestly, I think he was giving us a glimpse into what the future would be with Steve Nash when he returned to Phoenix in 2005. In his first stint, he was just in a bad scenario. That Phoenix team was kind of aging, and they already had surrounded their pieces with Jason Kidd, and he was sitting behind Kevin Johnson, even though yeah, Kevin Johnson was great, but he was kind of toward the tail end of his career at that point. And then you also had a very young Antonio McDice, too. So, I mean, what, what would have been with a formidable trio like Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, and Antonio McDice? And then, like I said, Dallas had numerous chances to get to the finals. I think it definitely would have happened in 2002 if Dirk had not been injured. But I kind of feel like his greatest chance may have been with that seven seconds or less offense. Like you said, I think the high octane offense definitely was something that we've never seen before. And I think that definitely, like I said, I feel like if they didn't run to the Lakers, that seven seconds or less offense would go down as a championship winning offense. And I think you touched on it clear. Like we all have an understanding that when you say like the name Steve Nash, we automatically look towards the the flashy passes, the high number of assists, the six times that he led the league in assists, but the efficiency from the floor as a shooter, as a scorer, 49% shooting for his career from the field, 42.8% from three-point line for his career. I mean, those are like numbers efficiency-wise that would like get you crazy paid now, which like Coming up in the league that he did, obviously, I almost kind of think Steve Nash could have been a lot more compensated, I guess you could say, 
than he was in his stint. But I guess you could say that about a lot of all-time great players as well. But I do think it is slept on how efficient of a scorer that he was. And um, I think that's a perfect note to step on to the next player for because the next player that we're going to talk about is Tracy McGrady. We're talking about two-time scoring champ, seven-time All-Star, hands down probably one of the most prolific scorers of the modern NBA. Ryan, I have a two-part question for you, really. The first one is, what do you think was it that held T-Mac back from being able to win a ring? And attached to that, do you think that his best chance to win was in Toronto with Vince Carter, with Orlando, with a potential healthy Grant Hill, or his time with Houston and Yao Ming? I'll start with your second question first. I think his best potential may have been with Houston. I think with the formidable duo he had with Yao Ming, again, Yao Ming was in his prime. And I think that when you take two guys that are in their prime and you really have nothing to lose in trying to pair them up and surround them with a nice supporting cast, I mean, you're basically set. To answer your first question, I kind of feel like that with Tracy McGrady being one of the top scorers of the 2000s and one of my favorite players of all time, I think that he was on teams that I could say it could be a stretch to say that they all had wasted potential. I think in Toronto, Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter were slated to be the next dynamic duo. But the reason why he left for Orlando was because he wanted to be the primary scoring option but he never made it out the first round. That is going to become a trend throughout his career. In Orlando, Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill could have been a dynamic duo, but injuries hampered Hill's time in Orlando, and even though McGrady was putting up great numbers and becoming one of the top scorers in the league, his supporting cast wasn't good enough to get them anywhere in the playoffs, at most a seven seed. But they were ousted in the first round by teams like the Bucks and the Pistons. And then you go to Houston, where I think McGrady and Yao Ming definitely had the potential to win a championship, but it just never came to fruition. And once again, a stigma of his playoff career, he never made it out the first round. I think what winning a ring could have done for his legacy is that it could have bolstered the credibility of the three teams that he was on, where he was part of a dynamic duo. And I think it would have made him one of the greatest scorers of all time. To say that he is a great player is not an understatement out of all the players we're going to talk about today. I think a ring would have done wonders for his career. And by the way, I must bring up that Jalen, you have a very nice team act Jersey from Orlando. It's amazing. I appreciate it, dude. Like you said, definitely one of my favorite players. And I find it interesting because, you know, he did come close and you know, a lot of people kind of forget his, short and I guess almost kind of awkward stint with San Antonio the year that the Miami Heat had uh, their championship after Ray Allen hit the shot um, and such is history after that but he was actually on that team and it was weird because he, he didn't get a lot of playing time he barely if I think at all participated in those finals let alone a lot of those playoff matchups prior to the finals and still could have potentially been in the mix, you know, to get that infamous ring, even if it may not have been the way that he wanted it. Now, 
when I heard him talk about potentially getting a ring when he was on the All the Smoke podcast with um, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, he made it clear that if he had earned the ring that way, he wouldn't have been able to accept it or not maybe be as uh, content about the idea of having it because he would have just been a part of the ride. And his what he said was that he believes that being on that ride is part of what makes the journey mean so much when you actually win it. So although I think that might have ironically been his best shot to get a ring and he wouldn't have he would have would not have even touched the court. I just think the ability to even say T Mac the champion would have changed the way people in today's society in terms of being NBA fans view guys like him because he honestly is a player that with everything he did on the court could have easily fell into our underrated players topic as one of the players that was probably one of the greatest offensive threats ever and does not get a lot of love from anybody that's not either a true student of the game or you know actual or former players so I mean I just think a ring for him would have just changed the way he's perceived because he's essentially similar to some of these other guys that we've already talked about. He's essentially done everything else. And the ring is the only thing he doesn't have. And for that, he kind of gets lost in the edges of history because he didn't have the iconic corn rolls, uh, you know, the way Allen Iverson did, or he didn't have the crazy flashy passes and the, the offense that literally is named by named for and named by Steve Nash and the way that he orchestrated it. T-Mac was just a bucket. And without a ring, a bucket is just a bucket. So, unfortunately, he gets lost in the mix. And it's really unfortunate considering how phenomenal of a scorer Tracy McGrady really was. I can just remember, like, the playoffs against the Mavericks when he dunked over a seven foot six Sean Bradley in the mm-hmm. uh, American Airlines Center. That's just That was just a, a playoff memory I think will be etched in history. Unfortunately, didn't culminate in a ring. And I think that's what's always going to hold him back. I'm definitely not taking away from what he's already earned in his legacy, but definitely I think, out, like I said, out of all the players that really could have, that really needed a ring to bolster their legacy, I think Tracy McGrady really needed that ring to bolster his legacy. We're going to move on to his teammate now, Vince Carter in Toronto. And I think with a guy like Vince Carter, who was actually – around longer than a lot of players. I mean, what a 20 plus year career for him. He played in uh, four different decades with a lot of different teams in his career. I think most notably we go, we think of Toronto and New Jersey as the teams that he really had great tenures with. So Jalen, I have to ask this question to you in the 20 years that Vince Carter has played in the NBA. What do you believe the reason was that Vince Carter did not end his career with championship ring? I think personally, I think it's because I think his athleticism was taken for granted. I think one of his best stints was with New Jersey. And I feel like he got to New Jersey just a little late, just a little bit. Max Vince Carter was in Toronto in terms of all-time athleticism, all-time production. I personally feel like Max Vince Carter was in Toronto. And you throw a a point guard like Jason Kidd at him for the Nets. You add a guy like Richard Jefferson, who was also a bounce brother as far as I'm concerned when it came to getting up and, you know, 
catching a body here and there. I feel like their team, similar kind of to the Steve Nash teams, was just dynamic enough to really do damage on a regular basis. And I think that if Vince was there just a little sooner, it would have gave them more time. It would have gave them a better chance. I feel like you would have gotten Max Vince Carter with a point guard who could bring even more out of him to the point that he would go above and beyond. I mean, this is essentially one of the greatest dunkers of all time, if not the greatest. In my personal perspective, I believe he's the greatest. The fact that he's played through as many eras of basketball as he, as he has, it also shows how he's been able to adapt. And I think that is so slept on about Vince because, you know, the first thing you say, I mean, I, I'm a victim of it myself. I literally just did it. The first thing you do when you think of Vince Carter is, man, that dude could dunk. And it's like true, but what most people don't know, like he's sixth in career three-pointers hit. He has nearly 2,300 threes hit in his career. Now, some could say, okay, that's due to longevity. He's played for so long, you know, you just got to hit a few threes in a season and it'll accumulate. No, if he was simply just a dunker, he would not have the three ball in his game. DeAndre Jordan is just a dunker. Now, okay, your, your, your response would be he's a seven-footer. What seven-footer in the modern NBA is not trying to shoot three-pointers nowadays? Well, there you go. So the fact that DeAndre Jordan is still regulated just being a pick-and-roll alley-oop style center shows that he only has but so much longevity in the game. Vince Carter was able to transition himself from being a dynamic driver to at one point being somewhat of like a spot-up shooter to a certain extent, when he played with Dwight Howard in um, Orlando that had like Rashard Lewis, um, Hito Turkoglu, and guys like that on the team as well, these types of transitions, he's been able to make it where he's away from the basket and still excel at a high level. Obviously, he doesn't have the motor that he used to have, but such is life. Anybody who gets older is not going to have the same pep in their step as before. But the fact that he was able to transition his game through so many different changes, rule changes, style changes, all of the above. It just shows a lot about who he is as a player. And um, I think the unfortunate part about Vince not winning a ring, and this kind of goes into my take as to like, what would a ring do for him? Vince, to me, unfortunately gets looped into the same bracket as Dominique Wilkins. And this is a guy who's known for being the human highlight film, but gets lost in the fray because he didn't win a ring. And all that you're really, really known for is your dunking ability. So you're kind of viewed as the guy who your biggest ring, I guess you could say, in your career was the dunk contest or dunk contests that you've won. Unfortunately, that's not something that gets etched in history it might make a cool little top 10 list for somebody's article down the line but it's not something that truly helps you in defining your career amongst other greats it's kind of just a good superlative to have to kind of buffer your resume out with some of the things that you may not have been able to accomplish yeah I think you made a lot of great points in your take and I feel like the best chances that he had were joining teams that were contenders. I do kind of feel like that if he stayed in Toronto, they could have won a ring. But I also kind of feel like he joined teams that were either good 
but weren't good enough to make the finals, like the New Jersey Nets or the Memphis Grizzlies. Or he joined teams off of a finals win or a finals appearance, like the Orlando Magic and the Dallas Mavericks. I do still feel like he's one of the most electrifying players to ever play the NBA. And I also think that he's the face of Toronto basketball. I do feel like that he was responsible for putting Toronto on the map as part of being the Toronto Raptors. For a good five or six years, he was the face of that team. Even though they really couldn't make an impact in the playoffs, when he was with the Raptors in the playoffs, he could have brought Toronto its first championship, like years before Kawhi Leonard did it. And I think it could have solidified his legacy in the league and his 20-year career being worth it because he won a ring. I feel like it's not bad that he played 20 years. Obviously, you're playing for the love of the game. But there has to come a time for Vince Carter where he needed to go to a contender. I feel like the Nets were kind of past that era of being a contender. And then he had that stint with the grit and grind Grizzlies. I don't really know how far they could have gone to the finals. I mean, no, they made it, they faced off against the Spurs, but I mean, who's beating the Spurs at that time? And then when you're joining the Orlando Magic fresh off a finals appearance, I mean, they're still kind of contending. And then you also have the Dallas Mavericks. But if you remember, like Dallas traded a lot of the key pieces away from their 2011 championship squad. So, I mean, when they brought in Vince Carter, he could still score, but like who else was scoring outside of Dirk? And I think that that kind of hindered his career. I feel like if he went to like the Lakers with Kobe Bryant in their prime, he could have definitely helped Kobe and Shaq win a fourth or fifth ring. I think if he went to Dallas with Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, he could have helped them win a ring. I think if he even went to the Supersonics instead of like Toronto in their last like couple years or in their early couple years with Ray Allen, I think that he, he could definitely help them win a ring. If he went to the Timberwolves in 2004, like with Kevin Garnett, probably their best chance to win a ring in 2004, he could have helped them win a ring. I think that he could have been an asset to help a lot of teams win a ring, but it's unfortunate that he never won a ring himself. And I think the biggest thing that we're preaching about Vince is that he is potentially probably the biggest difference maker out of everybody that we have on this list. Um, I think his longevity speaks a lot to that because I felt like he was the player with the least issues around him. And although T-Mac was more um, of an injury-prone slash injury-affected player, Vince was the one who had the least asterisks next to his name as to what coulda, shoulda, or woulda been. And I think that being able to drop Vince into any team, I think the fact that that's recognizable shows that really him not winning a championship is really just a shame as an NBA fan to have to say out loud because he's kind of one of the guys you kind of just hoped would be able to get one. He's done a lot for the game in terms of being able to stick around. He's shown the uh, he's shown what it's like, and we've had a, a lot of different guys you know, have 15 plus year careers, but to, to say openly that you have played through four different eras of basketball, 
and have been able to maintain a spot on the roster, not as just a player that's on the bench, but as a player who gets minutes. It just shows how much NBA players can really do for themselves, but also do for the game because it shows how much of an opportunity that basketball can give you if you give the right chances to the game. Because Vince could have easily laced the shoes up for the last time a year ago when everybody almost kind of thought he was going to anyway. But his love for the game is what kept him on the court. And we've gotten a lot of great moments from him. And not that we haven't from any of these other players, but I would say out of all of them, you know, I have a special love for T-Mac. But personally, Vince Carter is one of the first players I would go back to watch old highlights of because, honestly, he was the kind of player who – just was an automatic difference maker in ways that I feel like a lot of other players couldn't or can't be. Yeah, that was a solid take. So to close out the show, out of the four people that we've talked about today, who wins the ring? Who's the most likely to win a ring? Man, I got to say, you know, as much as hard pressed as we were in terms of pushing for Vince Carter, I have to say Steve. Steve Nash is the one who – smelt the potential NBA championship appearance uh, the most. He's the one who's had the kind of rosters built around him that's predicated to his style in a way that's given him the most amount of chances. And I think that his playing style is one that if it weren't for injuries, especially towards his time with like the Lakers, If it weren't for injuries, I feel like he has the type of playing style as a primary facilitator that could have given him a long enough career to be at least a solid cog on a championship team. And that's something that although Vince may have translated a lot better through the eras he played in, I feel like, especially with the way that the game has changed, Steve Nash basically breathes the way offense is ran now and I feel like with his play style that if given a legit chance without being affected by injury especially down the stretch of his career he definitely could have been uh, a rondo to the big three of a team and helped them win a championship so I would go with Steve I'll make my take really quick I think Allen Iverson wins I think in 2001 that team was the closest to knocking off the Lakers dynasty even before it got started. And I think if it wasn't for injuries, they definitely could have beaten the Lakers in that series. I also think that if you think about the legacy of Allen Iverson, I think if he wins a ring at that time, I think he wouldn't need to wonder what happens next. Like what happens if I don't win a ring? I think he can just play the game to play the game. Well, this was a good discussion today. I'm very happy that we had this sort of discussion today. On the next episode, we're going to have our friend Brooks Warren on the podcast.